Well, today we are starting a brand new series of messages called Breathing Room. As we move into the fall, man, our lives sometimes look like what we just looked at. A lot of things start to crank up. A lot of demands and pressures start to build up. And in this series, we're going to look at something that applies to all of us, and that's actually finding more room to breathe. Everybody take a big, deep breath with me. Are you ready? Now, don't do two or you'll be asleep. (laughs) We need to find some room, some space in our lives to really just breathe. Now, we all have different likes when it comes to having space in our lives. Now, some of you like lots of clean, clear space. You don't like clutter. You're a cleaner. Some of you like lots of things around you. You don't mind clutter. You're more of a keeper than you are a cleaner. The truth is, some of you are cleaners. Some of you are keepers. And nobody do any of this elbowing right now, okay? Because usually in the marriage, there's a, one cleaner and one keeper. But I'm a cleaner. I just want to admit that to you this morning. I'm a cleaner. I like to clean things up. I like to clean things out. I'm a thrower-outer. Any thrower-outers with me this morning? All right. I'm a thrower-outer. I'm not a keeper. I'm not a clutterer. I'm not a a stuffer. I'm a thrower-outer. And I've been known to throw out and give some really good stuff away just to get it out of the way. Any cleaners with me? Amen. All right. Just to get it out of the way. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're a keeper or a clutterer, now that I've made it sound so negative. But the question is, are you more comfortable being a cleaner and having some space, or are you more comfortable being a clutterer or a keeper and having almost no space around you? Now, as we begin, your garage or the trunk of your car or your closet may look something like this, organized, clean. (sighs) To me, that's just awesome. (laughs) Organized, clean. Or your garage or the trunk of your car or your closet might look like something like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, It might look something like that. And I know that this is going to ruin, for some of you cleaners, your entire Sunday just looking at that. You're just freaking out. you got to go get to that. you got to move stuff around, stack things up. I am a cleaner, but I'm not judging. We just had a message on not judging. Amen? So I'm not judging. It's okay for you to have a, a closet or a garage. If that's what you are and that's what you like to have things around you, that, that's okay. But it's not okay for your life to look like this. A garage, a closet, a trunk of your car is one thing, but it's not okay for your life to look like this. It's not okay for your relationships to be so stuffed, so so crammed with so much stuff into your schedule that everybody in your house is so busy that no one really has any time to enjoy each other or the stuff that they're doing together. It's not okay for your finances to be this stuffed and disorganized. It's not okay for your schedule to look this busy (laughs) every single day of your life. That's not okay. 
Most of us need to create more breathing room, more space in our lives. So the bottom line to this morning's message is, is just simply this. Instead of squeezing more in this fall, most of us need to exqueeze our lives. Exqueeze our lives, desqueeze our lives, unsqueeze our lives. We're just trying to squeeze so much in. You see, it's no fun to watch a dad who's so stressed out over his schedule that he neglects his family. It's no fun to watch a mom and a dad run their kids to everything and every place that they want to be involved, but they don't enjoy doing it with them. It's no fun to watch a couple who are so maxed out financially that when a crisis hits their their home, their finances, their relationship also takes a hit. Most of us need to create more breathing room in our lives for ourselves and for those around us. So as we begin, write this first thing down. Breathing room adds positive results. Some really positive things. If you create more breathing room in your life, write this down. You're going to find time to arrive at appointments early. What? In Southern California, you arrive early? Imagine that. Imagine that, arriving to your appointments early. Having breathing room means you don't have to drive 80 miles an hour everywhere you go because you've got enough time to get there and even get there early. If you create more breathing room in your life, you're going to find yourself having time between appointments. Imagine that. There's actually a little space between your appointments. It means you might have some time for coffee with a friend or some quiet time with God before your next appointment. If you create more breathing room in your life, you're going to find yourself having money left after paying the bills. Now imagine that. Having breathing room means there's actually money left at the end of the month. Then you'll, you'll find yourself having strength to handle life's surprises. Having breathing room means you're not running on empty spiritually. You, you've stayed so close to God that when the stuff of life hits your life, you just kind of roll with the punches and you keep trusting God. You keep on doing just all of the right things because you're close to God and you're spiritually strong. You'll find yourself then having reserves, physical and, and, and spiritual reserves for your family. Imagine that. Having breathing rooms means you actually have the energy to talk with your family. You actually have the energy to have dinner with your family around the table. You actually have the energy to read the Bible and pray with your kids every day, every night. It means that you're not depleted. But you, you have something left to give. You have reserves. Folks, when you have breathing room, you can actually enjoy the things you're doing. Because you're not doing all the things that you could do. You've chosen not to do what everybody else is doing. And you've chosen just the most important things to do. When you have breathing room, maybe write this down somewhere. Life is just better. Amen? Life is better when there's some space, some breathing room. Breathing room adds positive results. And then next, breathing room subtracts negative results. Here's the deal. All of us have limits 
there's all a point where we kind of hit our red line. You know the dial in your car, the RPM? We kind of hit that red line where we're revving our engines too high. We all have limits. And there's a point where you, you just can't cram any more in. And everybody has those limits. And, and your limit might be different than my limit, but we all have a limit. And if you keep living your life at your limit, at some point you're going to quit enjoying life and you just might develop an engine problem. You might develop a health problem. You might develop a, a, an emotional problem. Your relationships just might fall apart when you keep revving your life at the upper limit. But breathing room subtracts some negative results. If you lower your limit, if you back some things out, some things just won't happen. When you have breathing room, you'll have fewer stress-filled moments. Write that down. Anybody want fewer stress-filled moments? Fewer moments like that. And you know, you know that stress that comes when you're sitting in your car and you're late for work and the 91's not moving, amen? You know the stress that comes. I'm already stressing out. They're going to close the eastbound and westbound lanes from Corona where I live here, uh, you know, for the next 10 weeks. I may not be here. I don't know. <laughs> They're going to close it on Sunday mornings. I don't know. But you, you know the stress that comes when, when you're sitting there and you're late for an appointment, you're late for a doctor appointment, and you're watching the clock in your car, and, and the seconds and the minutes are ticking away, and the traffic just doesn't move. But breathing room subtracts those stressful moments from your life. Next, you'll have fewer self-focused moments. When there's no breathing room, you get so self-focused on something that you are responsible to pull off in some way that that thing is the only thing that you can focus on. And so your focus narrows. You can't focus on anybody else around you or anything else around you. You're, you're now self-focused. And so there you are eating dinner with your family, but you're not really there. You're not really with them. Breathing room subtracts some of those self-focused moments. And then you're going to have fewer strained relationship moments. When there's no breathing room, our relationships really suffer. Our kids begin to think or say, Mom, you're always on the phone. Dad, you're always on the, on, the, on the computer. Our kids begin to think and they begin to, to say, I, I need you to listen to me, but you're always busy doing something. Our kids begin to think or say, I need you to help me, but you're always busy. I need you to just hang with me, but you're always busy doing something, dad or mom. But breathing room subtracts some of those strained relationships, moments in your life. Because you have some space to be, to listen, to hang. Breathing room adds positive results. Breathing room subtracts negative results. But then write this down. But our breathing room is reduced by fear. Our breathing room is reduced by fear. Now listen close. Because we fear some things, we choose to reduce our breathing room. Now why in the world would we do that? I mean, nobody says, I choose to reduce my breathing room because I want more stress. <laughs> nobody says, I choose to reduce my breathing room because I want more relationship problems. Nobody says, I, I choose to reduce my breathing space because I want my kids to cringe when the garage door opens. Well, maybe you do say that. I don't know. 
Nobody says, I choose to do it because that's just the way I like it. No breathing room, no, no space. So why in the world would we choose to reduce our breathing room? Look at this. You run faster and you leave no margins because you fear that you will miss out on something. You're afraid you'll just miss out on something. You see, a big part of what drives our schedules and even our spending is the fear that we're going to miss out or our kids are going to miss out on something. If I ask you something like this, why don't you gear down? Why don't you slow down? Why don't you stop some things? You might say something like, well, if I stop that, I'm afraid that. But if I backed off, I'm afraid that. Well, if I told them I can't come, I'm afraid that. If I took my kids out of those events, I'm just afraid that. You see, we let fear drive our schedules. If I told my daughter she can do gymnastics, but not gymnastics and softball and dance, I'm afraid that, I'm afraid. And without knowing it, we allow fear to run, to control, to schedule our lives. Without knowing it, we allow fear, the fear of missing out on something to control our lives. So you run faster so that no one will miss out. Next, you run faster and you leave no margins in your life because you fear that maybe you'll fall behind someone. None of us likes to come in second or third. You're afraid that you won't be able to keep up with your friends. And so you look around at what everybody else is doing, what they're accomplishing, what they're acquiring, what they're driving, what, what they're wearing, and where everybody else is vacationing. And you have this fear build up in you that you're going to fall behind your friends. And so you run faster. You do more. You, you work harder so that you won't fall behind. Or next, you run faster. And you leave no margins because you fear that you will not matter to anyone. So we run faster and we commit to all kinds of things and all kinds of people and all kinds of really good causes, hoping that we'll make a difference and then for, therefore we will matter to somebody. They'll see all of our efforts, they'll see all of our commitment and our faithfulness and, and we'll just matter to somebody. But, but the fear of not mattering can drive us to do things that really don't matter so much and can draw us away from what matters most. So you run faster hoping that you and your life will just matter to someone. Folks, beginning today, you can choose to let fear drive your life and let fear reduce your breathing room or you can choose that this fall, as you move into this fall, that you do life differently. Today, you can choose to restore some breathing room to your life. And faith is the key for doing that. Breathing room is reduced by fear, but write this down. Breathing room is restored by faith, by having faith in God. You see, God's always been concerned about his people having space 
or breathing room in their lives. Throughout the Bible, you can find God doing things. You can find him setting things in motion to create space or breathing room for his people. And if you and I put our faith in God by obeying him and by following his word, the breathing room in your life will be restored. If we will trust him and do what he says, breathing room can be restored. When you put your faith in God, write this down, you run slower and you create margins because you have faith that following God's design is best. God, this is the way you designed it. I trust you. It's the best way to go. It's the best way to live. So I'm going to live this way. You see, God designed lots of things to give us breathing room. I just want to talk about three this morning. First of all, and this isn't on your outline, so you'll have to write it down somewhere. He designed the Sabbath. After God delivered the Israelites from Pharaoh, these people who were driven to work 24-7, who were beaten and killed if they didn't work 24-7, God designed a day of rest, a day every week to rest from their work. He designed some space in their week to do nothing but rest, to worship and rest. In fact, a day in which they could do no work at all, a day of complete rest. Now, I've got to tell you, this had to be a staggering thought to them. They had to be saying, how in the world can I take a day off? My whole life, I've worked 24-7 under Pharaoh. Beaten if I didn't. How can I even store up food for that day when I don't work? They had to be thinking, of course they weren't. I have no refrigerators. (laughs) How can I store up food? We'll starve. I mean, how do we get milk if we don't go milk the cows? How do we get eggs if we don't gather the eggs from the chicken? But God said, no work on the Sabbath. Now, God did that because he understands how we're all wired. He made us. He knows that we'll just keep working and moving and filling up every available space. So he said, one day a week, stop and rest. In short, he was saying, trust me, rest. There will be enough time to get everything done that really needs to be done. You'll have what you need to survive even if you take time to rest. Have faith in me. Trust me. God wants you to enjoy each week his gift of rest, his space, his breathing room. And that's hard in Southern California. (laughs) We live in a place where there is millions of things to do. And usually, even if we come to worship, we don't take a day of rest on the Sabbath. We're running to the next thing we want to enjoy or do or see or whatever. And it's, it's tough. But do all you can to enjoy God's gift, a day of rest. Second thing he designed was the tithe. Now, in the Hebrew room, in Hebrew home, they, they would actually store up the money that they were going to give to support God's church. No banks in those days. And so they would store up their money in their homes in some jar or, or some box And then when they went to worship God, they they would give it each week. So they would set aside 10% of their income or 10% of their crops according to God's word and then take it to God's house. And so unlike us where 
Sometimes things are automatically deposited. We don't see our money go in the bank and all that kind of stuff. They would see all of their money come in or they would see all of their crops come in and they would store 10% in a specific jar aside and away from everything else and they would visibly see it come in and they would store it and not, sp- not spend that tithe. And this tithe system built into the Hebrew culture a sense of financial margin. They learned to live on 90% and they learned to give God 10%. They began to learn that just because all this money comes in, it doesn't mean it at all should go out for your own needs alone. And in short, God was saying once again, folks, I know this is different, but trust me. Trust me. Give. Trust me. There will be enough for your needs. Have faith in me. You see, God wants you to learn to give and to learn to keep some financial breathing room in your life. If we don't learn to set aside something for God alone, we're not going to learn to set aside something to save. We're just going to keep spending every dime that comes in. And God's trying to teach us we can trust him even with 10% out of the 100. Third thing he designed was gleaning. Gleaning. Maybe you've never heard this word before. Maybe you've never thought about gleaning. But imagine the Hebrew culture. They had a hand-to-mouth, day-by-day existence. Because of no refrigeration, they, they, they couldn't store up anything for very long. So every day, somebody had from every household to go out and buy food or scrounge for food in a field and find something to take home and eat. So God designed a way for all, especially the poor, to find something to eat. And it was called gleaning. They could go into a field and glean anything that was left in the field by the farmers. God said to the farmers, look at this. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest, those things that fell off the wagon and things that people missed. Don't go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So God is saying to the farmers, don't harvest clear to the edges of your field. Leave a little something. Don't pick up all the grapes that fall off the vines. I I know you're leaving money and food in your field, and that's not what you want to do, but leave it for the poor. And then God says, I am the Lord your God. In other words, I know that you're leaving things in the field and vineyard that you could sell and you could use to support your family, but leave them And trust me, I'll provide everything you need. I'll still take care of you. Learn to have margin. Learn to have space. Learn to give. God said it again this way. When you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. God wants you to not take everything to the limit. To the edge. Instead, leave space for him to bless you and provide for you because you're willing to provide and give to others. He says, I'm God and I will bless you. Well, I want to share one last familiar scripture with you that you probably even know by heart because Jesus built on those same Old Testament teachings in the New Testament. Jesus says this. Take a look. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that means the people who don't know God, the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So listen, what if you got up every morning knowing that God knows exactly what you need and he knows exactly what each member of your family needs? You get up and say, I know God knows. And, and what if you did not worry about what you need, but instead you trusted God to supply all of your needs? And what if you did slow down because you had faith in your God to supply? And what if you did create more breathing room in your life because you had more faith in God? Listen close. If you create more breathing room in your life by trusting God, you'll not have to trade peace for prosperity. You won't have to trade peace for more progress because your God will bless you for creating breathing room in your life, in your schedules, in your money, in your relationships. He will bless you. So here's the bottom line. You have limits. You have time limits. You have money limits. You have energy limits. And you'll either allow fear to drive you to the limit of your limits or you'll learn to trust your heavenly father that he so loves you and he's so willing to provide for you that you learn to not live to the edge of your limits, but instead to create breathing room in your life. So what if you do run slower and create margins in your life because you have faith that following God's word is best. That his design is best. That his word following it is best. I mean, what if you do trust God's word? What if you do trust him to provide? What if you do slow your pace, run slower, create more breathing room in your life? I believe that you'll find that following his design and following his word is the best thing you could ever do for your life. And here's what people who are 60 and older would say. That's what I would say. People 60 and older would say, if I could go back to being 30 or 40 or 50, I would trade some of the prosperity I gained and some of the progress I made for more space to breathe and to do what's most important and to enjoy more peace. We run so hard in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. But I'm looking at it and saying, if I could go back, I'd do it just a little bit different. I'd create some more breathing space for my kids, my family. And I think we need to really consider that as we start this fall. I mean, what do you need to do to create more breathing room? That's the question. What do you need to do to create some more peace and space in your life? Well, here's the answer. To get more peace in your life, X squeeze it. <laughs> Instead of trying to squeeze more in, do some X squeezing. Do some unsqueezing. Do some de squeezing. De squeeze your life. We've got some work to do, amen, Southern Californians? We've got some work to do. But let's create some space and some breathing room.
Let's pray together. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, help each person here today to create more breathing room in their lives. Help us all to trust your design for our lives. To trust your promise to provide for our lives. Lord, help us to create space for the right things. Help us to say no to the wrong things. And Lord, especially help us to create more space for you. Lord, help us to even go home even this day before we run into a Monday or a Tuesday and to create some moments where we can just look at the calendars and say, what is really important? What can I exqueeze? How can I create space for the right things? Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said...